0: episode 423 of Cinematary. I'm your host Zach Dennis and I'm flying solo for part one. Uh, we're gonna be joined in, in part one we're just, I'm just gonna talk about really only one movie that I saw this week that I wanted to, to discuss and then in part two we're gonna be joined by my good friends Martina Yvette and Ariel Felton to talk about our last concert movie uh 2019's homecoming a film about beyonce um but that's coming up in part two let's let's stick around we're just, just gonna be zach for for a little while um i haven't seen too much lately um but i watched this has been one that's been on my list for a while it's been sitting there in the old sitting there in the old uh criterion channel uh library uh just kind of tempting, not really tempting me, but just challenging me to watch it. It's not, it's a, it's a little over three hours. Um, but that is the the Taiwanese epic Yi Yi from two thousand, directed by the late Edward Yang. Um, and so, for people who are unfamiliar with Yi Yi, uh, the film, yeah, it's you know, it's a little over three hours, but and it follows this family in Taipei. Who um, it starts with the the merit the the marriage of the brother in law yeah the brother or the brother of the mom um, his marriage um, you kind of have this long sequence where you're getting to know the different family members the different dynamics um, and so this family of the mom the the father the mother and then they have a son and a daughter the son is um the son yang yang is um, probably around like eight or nine um, or you know elementary close to maybe middle school age um, and then Ting ting the uh, the daughter is in high school and so you start with this um, this wedding then it just shifts into more normal life though after the wedding um the the grandmother the mother of uh the grand the mother of the mother from this family that we're following um has a stroke and is in a coma and so that kind of lingers over the rest the the family for the rest of the movies you just have the grandmother in this in this coma kind of um you know, being there in the background like that, always being kind of in the background as they go through the rest of the movie, um, and the rest of the movie is you know it's, it's it's it's. I was reading some reviews on Letterboxd of Yi and It's kind of a difficult movie to discuss, especially for one that has such a a longer runtime that people kind of expect. You know this three hour plus epic, um, but it really is just this three hour family drama um that's much more like akin to Yasuhiro Ozu than it would be um you know Once Upon a Time in the West or <laughs> or The Godfather Part Two or something or you know what you would equate for like a three-hour epic um but it gets you know it's 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 kind of one of those movies that revitalizes your your passion for Really just like watching good, like deep, good movies. Um, It reminds you of like how good a movie can be. Um, At least that's what it was for me where it's not like I've seen anything terrible lately. I mean, last week we just talked about Stop Making Sense, which is a near, you know, perfect movie. Um, But this one just kind of resonates on that deeper level. You know, you have, um, you know, older characters exploring um, their first love that that is uh, con- contrasted with, you know, the high school daughter experiencing kind of that first love, that first date. Um, you have just kind of a lot of it is just seeing the you know experiencing the world through the eyes of these characters. And what's really fascinating, at the same time, is you kind can- is um, and I've, I saw this in a few of the reviews that I was reading. Is you have this dichotomy between. Um, you know this dichotomy between just the humans, the the human emotions, the 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 issues that these these family members are wrestling with, and it, they're just constantly surrounded by these very constrained industrial spaces. You know, a lot they live in uh, a large you know apartment complex um, that is you know this large skyscraper structure that's near um, the road and some in a, in a train track and things like that, you know, you're, you're, you're having these like wide emotional sequences and it, you just kind of feel like they're not being able to like spread their wings you know, to the full extent because they're constricted by cars and buildings and commerce and capitalism and, and all of these like factors that I don't think that Yang is not like necessarily like taking and beating your head, you know, with it, but it's more, it's, it's much more subtle um, decision. It's, it's hanging constantly in the background. It, it just does kind of create this claustrophobia um, for these characters. There's a lot of sequences <clears throat> That he does where you're, you know, the camera's like outside and you're looking into the apartment as if you were somebody from across the way or something like that. You know, like there's this scene later in the movie where the father, um, uh, Jian, uh, in, uh, Jian, I believe, um, he comes home after this trip and he's just like tired and he's, um, and you like watch the sequence where. Um, Ting, Ting, the daughter, comes in and is like de- is like treating him, and he's like in bed. And he's like taking whatever she brings him, and then kind of going back. You just have, and you have this whole sequence, but you don't hear like if they're talking to each other. You don't hear if there's any interaction because you're just watching it from almost another apartment through the windows, and so you have a lot of sequences like that where, you know, it's there's just a constriction of space, you know, and, and what's, and what's fascinating about Yi Yi is, as you kind of go along and you become more emotionally invested with these characters and you become more emotionally invested in like the, you know, what's going to happen. Um, not necessarily what, what's going to happen, but like what will be the end result of their um, kind of like the, the places that they're exploring and all of that kind of feels it doesn't feel like as big as, as it could have because it feels like they're just kind of these... just, just pushed into these into these small spaces. Um, but at the same time, you know, I mentioned Ozu. Um, it's similar in the fact that you are just... you're exploring the socioeconomic, the political side of Taiwan at this period of time through just the day-to-day experiences of, of these characters. Um the father works for this um, kind of almost like startup-y company and, you know, is getting just tired of, of trying to push these um, not not bad products, but just like these uninspired products that, uh, they're, that they're trying to find. Um, it just becomes kind of like malaise to I'm tired of like running through the same Routine every day, like I just need some sort of break from it. This is not like feeding my. This is not feeding my soul any. I just feel kind of like a husk going through the day to day. Even though his uh, his partner, who I guess went to you know high school and college with him, is just like come on, like we got to, like you're you know this is team, we got to do this. Um, it gets into the little nuances of just growing up, whether it's Ting Ting kind of going through this this first relationship and navigating this friendship with um, a neighbor down the hall, but also Yang Yang as he, um, you know, he, he, he's just a very like curious soul. He's constantly kind of exploring these places. He has um, a camera that he's taking photos of stuff, but he also just kind of has this curious personality that gets him in trouble, not only with like teachers, but fellow classmates. Um, And so it's just these four, these four just kind of fascinating characters that you're following year and you're getting to know better. And I think Edward Yang does such a, a, wonderful job of just kind of letting everything breathe. Um, or, you know, like you, you feel, because of the runtime, which quite honestly, I don't feel, I didn't feel too badly. Um, because of the runtime you're just able to allow these like quiet moments and it not to go on a whole tangent but it reminds you of like the importance of that just the importance of quiet moments the, the importance of just moments those those um to steal a, a ozu term from Roger Ebert like those pillow shots just those moments of like reflection um and we just don't get that a lot whether it's it's um Movies or television or what have you like you just don't get those moments of um, of reflection or just like allow a scene to just kind of breathe for a minute, even though the quote unquote action of the scene has kind of concluded, like just allowing it to to, you know sit there and just kind of sit in it and reflect um you know there's constantly this this need to kind of cut and edit and get to the next scene and the the next scene and kind of move along the plot because we want to cram as much as we can in like a two-hour runtime in this you know in this movie and this i'm not just talking about like blockbuster movies but even um but even more just kind of uh, you know, whether you want to call it awards fair, just like non blockbuster entertainment that's coming through the theaters. Like um, it's nice to, to experience a movie that just has so much room for reflection. Um, I, I, you know, it was one where the, the movie ended and I, you know, you just kind of sit there and reflect for even longer um, because I think I think that's kind of the 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 lasting, at least for me, what I've been thinking about with this movie outside of just how um, how effective it is in in pulling you into this narrative that on the outside it feels very mundane for a three hour movie, but it's just so just kind of that that um, theater of reality that just that kind of fascinating quality of understanding understanding uh, just normal people. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just nice to kind of see a movie expertly utilize like that those, those moments of pause. You know, I think too much too many times the movies were just so when we're watching movies and the movies that we like, um, we're so fascinated with. I think an overused term, even though it perfectly describes it. Um, but the aesthetic, you know, we're constantly obsessed with the aesthetic, how it looks, how this shot is composed, how um, you you know how it's just just the kind of basic tenets of filmmaking. And I think one that you kind of forget is just is just a is kind of this 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 symbiosis with the with the audience to allow allow moments of reflection allow allow things to breathe because not only is it useful for the audience to kind of go this just happened i'm going to reflect on it but it's also useful for the characters to just kind of you know rather than bounce from plot beat to plot beat to plot beat they um they can kind of sit there and and like think alongside you and you get like this insight into how they're reacting to it in a way that I think is fascinating. Um, You know, just kind of how this very emotional sequence will happen. um, And then the character just kind of sits with it. Like a good example is you have this uh, plot in it with the father character who he is, you know, he's trying to seal this deal with this, um, with this I think gang designer if I'm remembering it correctly, but he's trying to seal the steel with this guy and he's in Tokyo. And so he um, uses it as an opportunity to kind of reconnect with this first love of his, who he ran into at the wedding, who um, they just kind of want to catch up. And so she comes uh, to Tokyo and like you have this whole Day to a degree of them kind of just talking and reflecting and like trying to understand on or you know understand how either either of them felt on like what what led to their departing and things like that and so and then it ends in like one of the characters leaves and um the other like you just have this moment where they're just sitting there and nothing really happened they're not like there's a phone call that takes place in it, but for the most part, it's just this character kind of sitting there and and the camera's just on them and they're kind of just processing. And um, I don't know. I, I like that the a movie with this runtime and, and the ability to kind of explore these different narratives in the ways that ways that it does, like it's allowed to kind of have these moments of reflection, these moments of peace. I think that's kind of an important quality. For, for movies, but also just for, for us as an audience, you know, to kind of reflect for a second on what happened and, like, what kind of makes sense of it on our own terms before even, like, trying to figure out what the character's thinking. Um, but if you've not seen Yee Yee, I mean, I would definitely, like, make, it's, you know, kind of tough to be like, yeah, you should set aside three hours and watch this. I mean, I think you should, but um, it's definitely a... It's definitely um, you can see why it kind of pops up on these lists of like great films of the two thousands um, the twenty first, especially I guess now would it be the twenty first century um, that you have to watch. You know, um, I I like after watching, I I understand that, and I, but I also um, I think I appreciate it just on its own on its own level rather than kind of getting into the accolades of it. Um but yeah. I I it's on it's on Criterion channel. It's you can probably find it through Criterion. Um but if you have a chance to watch this, I think I think it's worth the time definitely, and it's worth um it's it's worth watching. So I would recommend Yee Yee. That's really the only thing that I've seen this week that uh felt worth talking about. But I'm gonna get out of the way now. Uh, Martina and Ariel are gonna join me and uh, we're going to talk about Beyonce's homecoming in part two after this
1: Baby I'm back by popular
2: demand Bitch I'm back by popular demand I did not come to play with you hoes I came
1: to slay, bitch. All haters corny with that Illuminati mess.
2: Paparazzi catch my fly in my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock
1: his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, I'm a Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole a Texas, Bama.
0: And we're back with part two of episode 423 of Cinematary. In this part, we will conclude our concert movie series with 2019's Homecoming, a film by Beyonce. And joining me for part two is Martina Yvette and Ariel Felton. So thanks, y'all, for joining.
2: Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for having me. Always excited to talk about Beyonce, so. I was going to say,
0: it's, you know, we have two Beyonce experts, correct?
1: I wouldn't say experts, but we know B. I would say I'm a
2: stan. Correct.
0: Okay. Two Beyonce stans. Okay. There we go. Okay. I'm glad we got it clarified. <laughs> Thank
2: you.
0: Um, real quickly, so as you can tell from the title of the movie, uh, Homecoming is written and directed by Beyonce Knowles-Carter. Uh, the film captures her 2018 performances at Coachella, as well as a documentary about the creation of the performances. Uh, While planning the show, which prominently featured a marching band, step-team choreography, and Greek life lettering, Beyonce thought hard about her own history. Growing up in Houston, she would attend Battle of the Band shows and other college-centric events at schools like Prairie View. In Destiny's Child, the group uh, she also refers to as her college, since that's how she spent her teen years and early 20s, rehearsed at TSU as they were brought up. Um, in an interview with NPR Wayne Wesley who played trombone in the band as part of the performance talked about the lasting impact of Beyonce's Coachella performances saying quote I think it opened the eyes to a lot of individuals who may have not known what HBCUs are or what they're about and the culture they have that's a lot of knowledge that was put on to people if we didn't have them when they first started, we wouldn't be here because, you know, back in the day, they were, the only, they were the, those were the only colleges black people could attend because of segregation. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience that everyone should try to do if they can. Through the tribute to HBCU culture in Homecoming, Beyonce increased people's interest in HBCUs. High school seniors cited Homecoming as the reason they were considering attending HBCUs, while younger students were also said to be interested in HBCUs due to the film. In 2019, the Hollywood Reporter said nothing, not even this beautifully shot documentary with a dynamic swooping camera can replicate the uh, communitas inherent to a alchemical alchem- alchemical, yeah, alchemical concert environment. Ultimately, Homecoming feels akin to those film Broadway musicals that air on PBS for plebeians like me. <laughs> it's a joyous ride, but a facsimile of the experience. Uh, the New York Times 2019, above all, Homecoming is about Beyonce, who served as the writer, director, and an executive producer, asserting yet again her power and control, in part because of preconceived notions about what it means to be a pop star and a black woman. Questions around her claims to authorship of her own music and image have always lingered closely behind. And in 2019, The New Yorker said, Homecoming is in a class of its own as a total synthesis of the pop arts, rapping and dancing, literature and stage patter, propaganda film and backstage drama, not to mention air, uh, hair and makeup. The Get Some Kurzwek with a heap of twerk in it. But Beyonce's Beacon is less Wagner than Duke Ellington in that she composes a symphony in sound and movement and media and negritude. Um... I guess I said that correctly. I do
1: know.
0: In any case, the sense of competition is essential. The movie fruitfully exploits the game day conceit of the Homecoming theme. Um, on that note, let's talk about how many times have you all seen <laughs> Homecoming? <laughs> mm. This was my second time, so.
2: What? Really?
0: Oh, it was one of my favorite movies in 2018, or 2019. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's better than Nominate.
1: I, I have definitely seeing homecoming okay so the night it came out mm-hmm. i helped free watching it from the night that it was
2: like <laughs> on coachella so i
1: don't know maybe estimated 15 plus
2: okay yeah i really don't know it's just something that i like return to <laughs> you know often enough that i really couldn't say like I'm just sitting in the house, like why not watch it? it? Makes me want to
0: dance. Makes me happy. So I've seen it a lot, a lot. Yeah, it's it's um so this is the last movie in the series that we did, and it's interesting the progression of concert movies. So the first two that we watched, the first one was Jazz on a Summer's Day, which is um, it's literally just these guys filming um, performances at a jazz festival, like Louis Armstrong, uh, Miles Davis, others yeah. who are there.
2: That sounds interesting.
0: And mm-hmm. uh, but it's very like. It gets a little bit of the mood of the festival, but then goes to the, like, films the individual performances. The next one was Monterey Pop, which just films these individual performances at the Monterey Pop Festival. Um, And then last week we did Stop Making Sense, which Talking Heads, it's much more, we talked about it, but it's much more constructed. Um, It's conceived by David Byrne, the lead singer, as well as Jonathan Demi, who's the director. And it's interesting because those first two are just... It's kind of camera in trying to capture the vibe of the festival and the performances. You know, you're seeing in like Monterey Pop, you had never seen Jimi Hendrix on stage before, and mm. so he's like on stage breaking his guitar, lighting it on fire. It's a, mm. you know, it's a dead man. Um, and but then like with with Stop Making Sense, it becomes more of like a. I think I said last like last week like a manicured experience. Like it's mm-hmm. like it's much more constructed, like there's a purpose behind shots and things like that. And I think that homecoming's like a mashup between the two because it's mm. it's very constructed. Like you can tell that Beyonce has a very specific way that she's wanting um things to be shot, the angles, um, the type of film. I mean she switches from digital to sixteen millimeter a bunch. Um but it also has that kind of festival feel because you get into the audience and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, you got you all described it as um, an experience mm-hmm. bef- when we were watching it. Um, do you feel like it's more of an experience than what would, would be classified as like a concert movie?
1: I think so. Um, and the reason I say that is because like, we've also seen other... Um, concert movies specifically from Beyonce since we're on that topic where there's like the standard of there is a presentation that's given but it's not necessarily like as um, aesthetically pleasing as Homecoming is like I think that she does a great job as far as like a concert ready type style where it's like okay yeah I'm in this moment and it's really cool but this one with the theatrics the graphics the Um, visibility of like the choreography and just even like the band in total like it tells a story Mm -hmm. so I see how it can be perceived as a movie because it does honestly it's like watching um what is it School Days by Spike
2: Lee like in live action Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. did you say those other movies had or did not have that sort of like behind the scenes documentary like this is how this is our rehearsal this is my first day the, the first two stuff. did
0: the first two didn't um the, the stop making sense is unique because you're watching the the way it's structured is you literally start with david byrne and an, an acoustic guitar playing mm-hmm. the first song and then they gradually add more people and they gradually add more to the stage that by the halfway point you have a full-on production with Mm -hmm. lights and and screens and different things as well as the full band. Mm. And this one's different because that's maybe, you know, rough estimate, like, eight to ten people, you know, in the Talking Mm -hmm. Heads performance. This one is, like, a hundred.
2: Yeah, I agree with Martina. I feel like there's a story there that is really... Especially if you're a Beyonce stan, and so you know how rare it is for Beyonce to give us any of her private life correct um from the pieces where it's literally just you know my first day of rehearsal 100 days or whatever the number was until Coachella um and she was talking about her body being tired and just being pregnant and we saw like home footage of like newborn babies Mm -hmm. on her chest I think that she knows that her real fans eat that shit up and this homecoming is not for it's not for the casual beyonce fan Mm. i think it's Mm -hmm. for the ride or dies and so it feels very specific to me um and like kind of like how lemonade did like the lyrics in there were like yeah girl this happened to me beyonce I know <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> and like here's me going through all these stages and like you've also gone through the dude who did this to you wasn't a billionaire but like that's the only difference between you and me really <laughs> correct
0: the Lemonades I think at the uh, when this came out I think I said I still kind of agree that this is better than Lemonade in terms of being like a movie um Lemonade feels very much like a like a straight movie. even it, it's a visual album, but it has mm-hmm. a, it has like a through line narrative. and like the narrative pieces, um, the different style, like the way that she's shooting each song is there's a through line to it. This one that's that's fascinating to me is you have one, she's playing with different cameras. she has a digital camera. she she has two digital cameras and then she has a film camera. Um, that she's constantly, like, flipping between, the, like, mm-hmm. the three of them. <clears throat> and one of the cameras is also shooting in black and white. So you have a, you know, mm. a regular digital camera, you have a black and white camera, and then you have um, the film camera. So you're playing with three different types of, um, of, of style. Then you have, um, one, she's flipping between two different performances. So she's also, like, yeah. the way that she cuts the movie where you see her you you cut from one of the performances to the other performance like there's a a shot early in the film where it's a it's a wide shot of the entire band and everything on the rafter with mm-hmm. Beyonce and it cuts the one performance they're wearing yellow the other performance they're wearing this magenta co- color mm-hmm. and you in the way that she cuts from Beyonce's looking at you two, she's turned around is goes from yellow to the magenta it's,
2: very it's a fantastic cool. cut it's a very match cool. cut it makes my brain very happy when I see it and so <laughs>
0: but but I think that like this is more of a challenge for her as like a visual artist so I'm kind of curious Hmm. Do you feel like there's a difference between Beyonce, the I'm constructing an album and performing music and Beyonce, the I'm trying to create a visual experience, whether you want to call mm. it a movie or not, like, is there a difference between the two? Because I've, I feel like there is.
2: I always wonder this question, like, what comes first for Beyonce, right? right? Like, right now with Renaissance, we are getting just the music, mm-hmm. a couple Five second <laughs> clips of her in a hallway and it's dark and like what, and then like an album cover, and there's not a lot, but I think she knows. She I think knows. I, I honestly feel like it kind of happens together. I don't know. I don't, so I want to go back to the lemonade piece because mm-hmm.
1: I actually think I enjoyed lemonade more aesthetically than I did the homecoming, and be, mm. it's mostly because like lemonade told this different journey through womanhood Mm. with Mm -hmm. visual pieces that were supposed to be like completely stagnant but then moved and so it was like a visual display and i think like for the most part like when you're asking that question i do feel as if there's a visual aesthetics for anybody that makes or produces any kind of words or lyrics, whether it be right. spoken word or something. I feel like you have to have some kind of visual in your mind whenever you're mm-hmm. writing these things. Mm-hmm. And I do think that she actually has that portion where she's like, I'm thinking through this. Like, I know what happened to me because this is not art imitating life. This is life imitating art. Like, mm-hmm. all her music is that. So, mm-hmm. I feel like she already had the visual
2: display within each Homecoming and Lemonade. I and agree. This was her. I agree. And we don't get them at the same time yeah. because she's not generous yeah, with her not. art. But, like, when I think about um, the Lion King album that I've just blanked on the name of, um, like.
0: Uh, what is it? Something is King?
2: Is it simple no? <laughs> no. Is it Black is King? Is it Black is King?
0: I think I think it's Martina's gonna look it up for us.
2: Those visuals, even like when you when you listen to the album, it feels very uh, like it feels like Mm Afrofuturism, even though the Lion King is not futuristic in that way. Well, even even the movie itself added that, and then the visuals (laughs) like totally go with it, like you're saying. I think it's It's I just find it hard to see an artist separating those two things. I don't know. I could be wrong.
0: Well, it's. The, the, why I ask? And it's fr- that's why it's frustrating that she's never like sat down and talked about her film process. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's a whole different it's a whole different animal. Like you're doing uh, music, the way you're constructing the music and the way you're constructing the performance for the music is different than. And that's why I say I like Homecoming more than Lemonade because Lemonade, it's it's more traditional. You're going, this is like, she's setting up the shots. She's storyboarding how the the scene's going to look. And then then they're literally like acting it out. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, she kind of has to go, we're going to set the cameras up at these places and we're going to shoot everything and then we'll edit it together. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the performance is happening. She, you know, you don't get to stop and go, well, I want a better angle on, you know, you're kind of, again, you're like trusting to that pre- so like to Mm -hmm. me it's fascinating that she's able to so she's she's constructing this performance that they're doing but she's also Mm -hmm. constructing the performance that you're going to see through the movie yeah and those are those are similar but also different things because with the movie you're going you're you're having to plan it and then just hope that you get the footage that you need right
2: these are the shots we Mm have yeah
0: and you can storyboard it but stuff happens things change it's a live performance and Mm so um that's why it's more impressive to me because it's not just her going. Um, let's construct some <laughs> shots. It's storyboarding it, setting up, getting the camera set up, but also planning how the performance is going to go. Mm-hmm. And those are two vastly different things that she's doing all at once. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. So. I wonder how many times she watches those tapes before it's like, okay, this is ready. You know,
1: so there is a documentary. I do not know which one it is, where it's her actually scrubbing through those tapes, Mm -hmm. where she's like going through the process and being like, "This should have been tighter. This should have been better. We need to cut this," and like she's giving that direction. So I feel like the follow through for her actually interpreting like how shots should look or how. Um, this visual should be in the editing process. I could definitely tell that she's there in that post-production moment, and yeah. she's she's exclaiming. Um, even in this video, I mean, even with the execution of the show in general, she was just like with the notes part that we. Mm-hmm. That she, she's a true Virgo. Right, in she that's really it. is, <laughs> girl. We love you. Um,
0: well, I saw it too. That they had they had somebody who was editing the documentary and somebody who was editing the concert. Mm-hmm. So that. That I mean, that means they're cutting that stuff down. But then, mm-hmm. she, but then she's merging them. So then, that, again, she comes into play again because she's merging mm-hmm. the documentary with the concert.
1: Right.
0: Um, I don't know. I would love if she had an interview where she just talked like in depth about her film choices because I think between and I say I like this Lemonade is great. Also, we talked about this previously on the pod, Like, it's a fantastic film. Also. Mm-hmm. And so I would be curious not only what she's thinking, but like. What are her reference points? You know, like, what is she watching to mm. inform these things? Because, like, Elizabeth, with like this concert, uh, the like, concert part of it, you had to have been watching, like, at least parts of, like, Stop Making Sense or Woodstock or mm-hmm. Monterey Pop mm-hmm. or Jazz because you have to have that, it still has that concert movie language. It's, it's still, she, she I think she, I mean, she utilizes the the audience more than mm-hmm. the talking heads do in Stop Making Sense, but I think that comes in, it's more, again, it's more this this communicative experience that we're watching over um, talk, Stop Making Sense, which is just right. kind of this singular mm-hmm. thing.
1: This may be far-fetched, but I do feel like Beyoncé's content, and this is just from Martina's perspective, mm-hmm. um... So, whenever I see visuals from Homecoming, it reminds me a lot of Sun Ra, which is, of course, Mm. like, the, you know, the person who invented Afrofuturism and -hmm. and basically dwelling that essentially reminds me a lot of, like, Earth, Wind & Fire's aesthetics, Mm -hmm. Um, and even, like, Parliament Funkadelic, I feel like she takes heat into, yeah, she takes heat into, like, past visual artists that have, like, this funk like aesthetics like even like the sun in certain occasions are her being an egyptian attire, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the the idea of like there's all these different era of like elements of geometry where she's doing these prisms and her body is moving in these certain ways i think that she definitely takes notice from mm-hmm. those particular artists like if they're has to be some kind of inspiration I think it does come from those those lanes. Yeah
2: I think you're right one thing that's really strong about Beyonce is that she's no trouble referencing the greats mm-hmm. um, one thing that I really love about Homecoming um, I think just as a writer and a reader is all the the literature that's woven throughout the documentary yes, parts for sure. um, and I like that she's not shy about that Like I feel like sometimes artists can get so like I don't want you to know who my inspiration right. was right I don't want to seem like I'm plagiarizing but like I I think it's okay to be like i am mm-hmm. crafted this sentence to remind you of Maya Angelou you know I crafted this piece to remind you of earth wood and fire right um so yeah I just think she's so smart she is I think she's a genius. <laughs>
0: um. The other uh, interesting angle, kind of shifting away from the filmmaking, is, uh, we talked about it a little bit in the notes, but um, the HBCU angle. Mm-hmm. Um, Martina, I'm curious, as somebody who went to an HBCU. I did. Um, <laughs>
1: Graduated. what Graduating.
0: <laughs> um, what? What speaks to you about that through what she's doing in Homecoming?
1: Yeah, um, so my HBCU experience definitely, I think, shaped. My culture, um, and I think that this particular piece, even for people who went to PWIs, is very important. Um, it gives a general like consensus, like to what HBCU life is like. I mean, it is like a big dance party <laughs> with like themes of like education. Like honestly, our culture is so in up. Like it's it's just like a, a beautiful thing. Um, so for me as somebody who is Greek, as a member of like Alpha Kappa Alpha or somebody that was also very like, um, very active on campus and who was also a part of like the Student Government Association. So I went to a number of different things on my campus. Um, I can definitely see, like, how that pride definitely shifts in this narrative, um, and I think that for me, the HBCU experience is definitely, like, captured so well in this, because, I mean, I can think of it now as, like, sitting at a Savannah State home game and just, you know, watching the band, um, mm-hmm. And, and definitely, like, seeing my friends out there and, and, and seeing somebody, like, swag surfing, I mean, that was a huge part of like my experience. I felt like I swag surfed every Saturday. Um, <laughs> but I, I do feel as if, like, for somebody that has never been to HBCU or somebody who needs to understand what black experiences feels like, this is honestly what it looks like when black people get together. And they make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something culturally we've done. And also something that we continue to do in elements of fun and play. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. Even amongst like, the, the titles. Because, I mean, these songs literally are about breakups and like womanhood
2: and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. we still
1: made it playful. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. I. It reminds me so much of... Being in the band in high school (laughs) and like a lot of the shows that you do are are like very traditional um, songs that you have to play you know you're making the parents and the audience very happy Um, this is the stuff that you're going to go to like competitions with but there's always that um there's always that dance show that everyone would get really excited for when it was no longer like marching in formations and stuff, but you would get in that block formation, just a bunch of lines. And we're playing something current and something that we really love, something with a lot of trumpets and drums. And I played the trumpet. Well, I pretended to play uh, for one year. And then I joined the dance team. And so all through high school, like those were the games. And it was often homecoming and then like the games like right outside of it. So like homecoming in the middle and like, it was just so much fun to be able to be like, yeah, we you, we were playing all that like right. classical stuff that like the old people wanted to hear but now we're playing uh, Lean With It, Rock With It yeah. and all of us are doing it in the, on the field and like the parents are actually still having a really good time. Right. Uh, it's just really magical. If
1: you don't shout, that's my baby. You didn't do it
2: right. <laughs> you really, were you even there? Were You <laughs> weren't there. Even there? there. You sucked.
0: <laughs> do you feel like um, this captures like that energy because I feel like it's an energy like you could sit there and kind of describe it um and somebody who like has not gone to like an HBCU football game could be like okay I think I understand that like Mm -hmm. in praxis but um do you feel like it captures the energy where you you're not at a football game right now but it feels like you're at one
1: yeah for sure um I think that as students that attended hbcus we miss it we miss it every day um because we understand that you know we had our life in school but we also had our like fun life and that does not mm-hmm. equate to what's <laughs> happening right now um, but i do feel like anybody that hasn't been to hbcu like Does this really capture a football game at HBCU? To an extent, it does. I mean, this definitely captures homecoming. Yeah, I
2: was like, it felt like like one of those games where you either knew you were going to win. Or you knew you were gonna lose And that's not what you came for You came for, even when they're in the stands You came for that performance Because it was so badass But this is
1: more than just the game
2: This is Mm -hmm. the step show when I see my stars Mm. This is
1: the probate That happens prior to This Mm. is coronation this is uh this is, is true. This is all of the elements of a homecoming
2: week. Right? In one it's performance. not just the game. Yeah, it's, it's not end. just the game, yeah. it's everything. That is, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: it, it seemed like that was something that was important to um to Beyonce even though she didn't go to an HBC.
2: hmm Yeah. Yeah. I feel like sometimes those things that you miss are those things that you experience on the periphery can sometimes still have a really big effect on you and mostly because especially if you're younger you're like oh I'm, I want to do that I want to be included sure. so even to be in Destiny's Child but be mm-hmm. practicing around these things I could mm-hmm. see a young girl being like oh well what's that like you know what's that normal life like so I could see her wanting to recreate that just like she said and being like I'm a, I wanted to feel that. I could right. feel their swag and I wanted right. to like recreate it. I get it. For, For sure. Because HBCU experience is like
1: no other. And um I think once you go to a game or you go to even our classes, like we just be lit. Like I don't even know, like we just be out here just doing the doggone thing and no one can tell us nothing. Cause true. we knew we know we lit. We yeah, know true. that. <laughs>
0: It was inter. We were trying to kind of figure out. Well, this was the one that we were gonna watch probably regardless for like the more like recent concert movie. Um, it's been interesting. You've seen, you know, you have people from Taylor Swift who's done stuff. You have people. Uh, a lot of people followed Beyonce um, with the Homecoming. Like did a bunch of concert movies following it. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, Jennifer Lopez.
2: <laughs> homecoming <line. laughs>
0: Um, What? I guess they they all kind of have their different things that people are um, that people like about it. But what about homecoming and kind of what Beyonce did, and, I, and mainly like Beyonce as a as a pop culture figure. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think. What was captivating about this that maybe wasn't so with the other ones? Mm.
1: That's a good question. Okay. I was like, I gotta think about it. I don't know. I, I honestly think we put into the idea of, like, what culture looks like when we present it to the world. Um... This is a ode to like what it means to be black in America mm-hmm. and how important that is. I'm not saying that J Lo didn't do her thing because you know she did, um, but I do feel as if just like even the portion of like I remember asking you like how'd you feel about the like Negro spiritual anthem mm-hmm. like being sung mm-hmm. in this and. I think that was an important moment for mm-hmm. us because, first of all, Beyonce made you learn a song that no one else would make you learn. <laughs> like, they, they don't expect you to learn the Negro spiritual anthem. They do expect you to pledge your allegiance to the country and know the words to that before you go to lunch. Mm-hmm. But they're not, they're not expecting you to know how to do this. So I do wonder how many people are now singing, lift their voices sing and they know all the words now because not Beyonce just that one piece. has made it a thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I just think... I don't know. And this might be a personal thing. Like, maybe I can just connect with it because I am a black woman. Correct. But, to have someone so high up in life, you know, with all that Beyonce has, to still be like, no, I, I come from where you come from, I think is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, So maybe I just, I just can't feel that in Jennifer Lopez's, uh, what is it <laughs> called? I'm not trying from to make it the But like... I don't know. It's just really nice to see Beyonce as an artist be like, yeah, I did that cute poppy shit that anyone could listen to for a long time. But on everything you hear from me now, you're going to remember that I am a black woman. Correct. And that is super important. And so... And and that's what makes anyone who tries to do it afterward look so stupid. Mm-hmm. So like when Taylor Swift got her little boots on, Try. I'm like, what are you, a Miss? What are what's happening? A what is this? What is she did that for the golden corral on the Sunday? Like, because <laughs> it's so authentic when Beyonce does it. Her references are so real she is studying the thing that she's trying to show you but she's not explaining it to you mm-hmm. that's the thing like yeah, I'm this right. is a tangent but I'm reading a book right now that is supposed to be all about black feminism and all this stuff and the first essay in it was like this is for you girl and i was like here we go but then she <laughs> i was like hell yeah but then she <laughs> keeps defining words that i'm like if this is for black women I know what this is. Right. I can feel you slipping into this, like, white gaze. Right. Like, you're defining stuff, like, what it means when you call a black woman a mammy. It's I know code what switching. The, I know what it means. It's code switching. And so, publishing is a different world, obviously, mm-hmm. but, like, that doesn't feel authentic. Right. Beyonce feels like a black woman talking to a black woman.
1: But also, with that being said, it's almost a point where, you brought up a really good point, where, as black people we have to fit into a generic standard before we're able to do our own standards true beyonce did that she did did that she paved the way in her own standard and that's why i'm saying the other concerts beforehand Mm -hmm. was not the albums yeah i mean yeah they were for us but it wasn't really for us yeah they were for Mm -hmm. pop 40 Mm -hmm. and so now this album and this visual
2: is like formation i
1: did this us, this is by
2: us, mm-hmm. and that's it, is what it is, right? Yeah. Right, it's one of those songs that when it comes on in the club, white people you cannot sing it. Can. You like, <laughs> you, you shut up, every other word's right. word is the n word. How you can't use the
1: n word 40 times
2: already. <laughs> How How go sh- <laughs> it's, it,
0: well, it came out and it came out. It's before 2020 so it's a it's before like a lot of the black lives matter and george floyd that kind of stuff i know it was incorporated into some uh, some of those things but um it comes out before and i think i feel like what also resonates about it is it's again like back to lemonade that's that's a, a visual album in a movie that's very seeped with a lot of difficult imagery you know you think mm. about sequence that they filmed in the in the home in new orleans just mm-hmm. the trees yeah, just just that you know it's it, it looks great like as a movie but it's still it's there's the the um the the, the background to it is mm-hmm. it's there's a lot there it's very mm-hmm. loaded it's, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that, that's what i was looking for it's a very loaded image right this one it's not like you have cutting to for lack of a better word, black pain, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the whole thing is just like celebration. And I think that people responded to that because I had something I've seen with, um, with a lot of movies that are, that that are kind of like these, um, black voices movies is, and I've seen it with, with, um, with Asian creators as well, or, or Hispanic creators where, there's not just that one mode that you work in for a narrative where it's just like you have to have some sort of pain regardless of who, you know, you can kind of you move into other forms. There's other ways to, like, ex- to, to, to
2: mm-hmm. make
0: sense of that experience. And I feel like this, people respond to this because it's, there's no pain in it. There's no, uh, there, there's no loaded imagery. It's just, like, this celebration and... It's it's colorful. It's mm-hmm. it's um, it's visually striking. You know the the dancing, the song, like all of that stuff. And I think people maybe responded to that because it wasn't soaked in this. It wasn't it wasn't supposed to be a lecture about something. It was mm-hmm. more just like let's. You're either along for the ride or you're not.
2: Yeah, I agree. I feel like even with the like the quotes that are woven throughout it that are about celebrating Black joy, like. That feels like what the focus is. And like that joy has a lot of strength Mm -hmm. in it. And I think that's where it comes from. But I agree. Um, I feel like and this is this is not me talking concert movies now, but just like in general, I feel like we have entered this era of black pain being exploited for things. Um, And it can be done really beautifully and it can be done very cheaply and mm-hmm. very like here's just all this black trauma on the screen it don't you nice. love it it's kind of like get yeah. out but no it's not girl it's well, nice. well, it's <laughs> like and
0: it's like this is you know this is the only way we can like reckon with it we have to go through mm-hmm. it with this type of narrative and you're like no i mean you can there's thousands of different experiences that you could kind of explore <laughs> right. this with we, it just seems like we're just going this one mode
2: yeah and they're they're interwoven i would say but i do I like the focus on Black celebration in Homecoming.
0: Martina made a face after I made my yeah. point, so I feel she like She was like,
2: no. <laughs> I, I think i
1: thought too deeply about it. Um, <laughs> okay. You don't have to change your mind. I, I just honestly feel like even in the ideal, because we've already kind of summed this as the ode to Afrofuturism and everything mm-hmm. she did. Afrofuturism also even though it's about black utopia it always rests on a concept of pain mm-hmm. I think that this though the visuals aren't painful the element of what's being carried out is when you're thinking about the different songs sorry um, you're thinking about like um, you're thinking about like uh, daddy's pain You know that wasn't even part of the homecoming aesthetics but like these different songs that's like on that particular album, like some of them actually reach to like my man cheated on me mm-hmm. and like I hurry and
2: boo, even,
1: <laughs> even sorry is
2: I ain't sorry. You I know? ain't
1: sorry, but honestly, like a part of it is I'm going out. Cut. Fuck you. Yeah, all of that. Like, I that I feel like that's we we did but, the But sadness. why I had to make that song? <laughs> why? <laughs> I didn't have to say this if you just stayed at home like <laughs> like there's just i, <laughs> should, just I, stay I at didn't need to write this but <laughs> here we are
0: <laughs> that's really the moral of that's what you're getting at is all that a fault. lot of a lot of this was created by jay-z <laughs> right and so maybe it's his fault
2: can we talk yeah. about his Forty-five seconds on stage, breathing really hard. Well, you have that, well,
0: well, yeah, that, and then you have like little clips of him looking like a like a you know like a wing clipped eunuch, just kind of <laughs> there.
2: Oh, you mean during like the documentary parts yeah. where Beyonce would just be like, you know, until I see my notes fly out, right. see why I make more, and he'd be like, "Well, all right, all right, right guys, <laughs> <laughs> you heard the boss. This <laughs> yeah. We're
1: going on a date now, right?" Is
0: our anniversary. <laughs> no, yeah, well, you have him, and you have Destiny's Child that comes on stage, and mm. you have Solange. Okay. Um, I out, out, of, out of all the uh, appearances, which one do you like the most?
2: Mm. I like Solange's. I felt like that energy just felt so, like, they are, they are really sisters. They are. Like, when she, you pointed this out, when Solange, like, hugged her and they fell down, like, that just felt so...
0: Oh, she tackled her.
2: Genuine, yeah. Genuine, like... I think that was my favorite part. And all their dances were so silly and cute. I loved yeah.
0: it. The Destiny's Child one does have the, like, the entrance of that where she, Beyonce goes away and then they, like, lift up and you have mm-hmm. the lights behind them and it's the silhouettes. Pretty it's, that's a, it is, like, a, if you're gonna have the entrance, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. I mean, it started off with the Charlie, the Charlie's Angel poses, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. nostalgia. She's some love Okay. Give <laughs> y'all free
0: <laughs> Um, as we wind down, any any anything else that to mention on homecoming? Reasons why it's great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say any final thoughts, and I was gonna give my cash any out. final thoughts. I'm accepting cash my cash for Shout Beyonce out. tickets. When the Renaissance tour comes, I need help. Help us stand out. Buy me a ticket.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll put it. Ariel's Venmo. <laughs> right.
2: Her cash-up is in the bio. <laughs> uh, but about Homecoming, I, I'm i so glad I rewatched it today. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those that I'm like... I, not that I forgot about it, but I just had been in my renaissance mode. And I was like, this is the best thing she's ever made. But then I forget, like, Beyonce does this. She like, does this. And it. she's been doing this for so long. And I just feel really lucky to stand someone who has literally never let me down. Not a lot of people can say that.
1: She's been a friend, a mentor.
2: I mean, truly, when's the last time Beyonce said some stupid shit in an interview and all her fans had to be when's the last time Beyonce did an interview and some of y'all's faves need to learn to keep their mouth shut like her (laughs) that's all I'm saying I love (laughs) (laughs) Will. um
1: I, I agree with you Ariel wholeheartedly I think that um some shit is for us and yes. I I definitely love us <laughs> I like the way I'm quoting all of Solange's songs to kind of just <laughs> talk about Beyonce but <laughs> they go together they it's, do it's right. they go together <laughs> um, but yeah I mean sometimes shit goes down when it's a billion dollars in the elevator and Truly. so like, y'all just need to be aware of that like it's just it's one of those things where it's just like we love to tell the story of how Hype! This experience is, but what I saw from this moment when it comes down to HBCU life, is that yes, we party, but y'all have to also understand that we are highly educated people that graduate. Like this was, honestly, like one of those moments Degrade. where I was like, Degrade. "Degree, are we are degreed <laughs> humans," up. and like, Degrade like up. right, we degree up. But like Zach said, this was one of those things where there was no way that black folks could be educated without other black people, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. like when her dancers were talking, and they were like, "This was like a trip," and I didn't want to leave. And and they were all naming yeah, what schools they, they went to, all, exactly. <laughs> like the FAMU shirts was up. The no, I, I saw four Valley right? State up there. <laughs> kind of, I was like, the Hooks was out for Omega. Like <laughs> they was really out here living their lives, and I really love that for them because that's honestly what blackness is. Blackness is. A combination of adopting family mm. when you don't even know where that family is, where they came from, who they are. Like, honestly right this might be too deep for the folks but I no, mean, i'm ready <laughs> you know this 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 one of those moments where you're just like dang like i am low-key black and maybe i created my own tribe mm-hmm. but like this is who i am and beyonce definitely gave that to us she yeah.
2: gave us i agree yeah she gave us cousin love yes like, it's like when you walk into a space and you and one other black person are the only other black people there, Right. and something happens, and, and y'all look at that each look. other, <laughs> and you're like, Girl.
1: "Cause y'all know good and well we talk with our faces, and don't ask us what we're saying because we, we, we know we know what we're talking, talking you. about. This ain't not about about you. you. Mind your business. <laughs> Mind your face,
2: Pixie. What was your favorite part of Homecoming besides the ass? Yes. And
0: Besides the Canada. ass, everybody liked the ass.
2: <laughs> we all loved it. Number one, the ass. Number right. two, we loved the ass. She <laughs>
1: loved it. There was a lot of ass. Beyonce really did that diet, y'all. Man, she didn't eat anything. Nothing.
2: What was it? No meat, no carbs, no alcohol, no
1: bread, no,
2: no bread. Sugar.
1: No sugar. Sister, I am hungry. What did you saying, eat? Girl, yes. Leaves? Just leaves? She was like, <laughs> I'm, just... I'm relying on the sun and Jesus. <laughs>
0: That's what that was her <laughs> It's Just the
1: sun some and water Jesus. and Jesus. I am a plant.
0: <laughs> no, you know what's my favorite part is? Um, I don't think we talked about it. The black and white sequence with the two dancers to Nina Simone.
1: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Way, that, was beautiful. Beautiful. that was really
2: gorgeous. It's
0: because well, it it comes like in the middle of the song, so like she's singing, then it just cuts away to this thing, and then she goes back into the song,
2: mm-hmm. and it's
0: just like. It it has this kind of like low medium shot. It's just them dancing. It's in black and white. You have very it's just a really like like kind of like poetic scene like in the middle of a concert. Mm-hmm.
2: For sure, mm-hmm. ballet dancers, um, those muscles are like always mm-hmm. great to watch. Man, men, women, all that tippy toe stuff. It's gorgeous. Right. I wish I could do it. <laughs> it's so pretty. It's so pretty. One day, One day. You know, I was uh, in I ballet think, I think, for it's, two I think you got to
0: do it like. So. like yeah, my
2: feet have already formed. Yeah, I think you gotta
0: <laughs> yeah, be like six years old and have a mom who hates you. <laughs> and bones
2: not that are finished. finished. <laughs> <laughs> bones that are not to finished. To be
0: a ballad JoJo
1: Siwa's mom didn't hate her. She's a ballet dancer? Yeah. JoJo is like the ish. That's another story. for Yeah, funny.
0: I feel like we're going to <laughs> Um. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks y'all for coming on. Thank
1: you. Thanks.
0: Um, that'll wrap up this episode of Cinematary. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Cinematary, on Twitter and Instagram at handle at Cinematary, and on Letterboxd at letterboxcom slash Cinematary, where you can keep up with all the movies that we talked about in this episode. Um, if you'd like to support the show, um, either send Ariel or Martina some Venmo money for their Beyonce concert. Yes. Or, uh, or if you'd like to support the Cinematary show that's not going to Beyonce. You Love can go. a
1: black woman from infinity to infinity. <laughs> <laughs> and support them.
0: <laughs> you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Cinematary. Uh, thank you to our patrons, uh, Cam, Chad Newsom, Corey Willingham, Candace Sisson, Ron Hayes, Teresa Marsathi, uh, Titus Arthur, and Tyler Chandler. Thank you so much for your patronage. Next week, we're going to be kicking off our October Horror for Kids series. Hmm. Um, this, uh, we got... Pretty good lineup here. We got The Adams Family, um, The Witches, the original uh, version of The Witches with uh, Angelica Houston, uh, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, and Wendell and Wild, which uh, Andrew and Reed and I saw at TIFF, but we're going to be going... More in depth on that, the new Henry Selleck Key & Peele movie that's going to be on Netflix at the end of October. Mm. Um, But we'll have that posted on Cemetery.com. Until then, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.